0: Snap Production
1: Your Morning Agenda with Natasha
2: Belling.
0: Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Wednesday, the 26th of May. The MCG is one of the many COVID exposure sites as the latest outbreak in Melbourne spreads. Health experts say the next few days will be critical for Victoria. The total number of COVID cases now stands at nine, which have been linked to the Indian variant of the virus, with four positive results recorded late yesterday. One of those cases attended the Collingwood Port Adelaide game at the MCG on Sunday. Sunday afternoon, It's believed around 23,000 people were in attendance, with authorities now reviewing CCTV to work out if further zones at the stadium now need to isolate. University of Melbourne Head of Population and Global Health, Professor Nancy Baxter, has told the ABC contact tracers have a massive job ahead.
2: you had a number of people that were in the community were fairly
0: highly infectious, given the number of people that their close contacts that they've infected. Uh, And they've been in the community since, you know, um, May 15th. Um, So that's a lot of contacts they could have had, a lot of opportunities to spread the disease. It's not yet known if this weekend's AFL games will go ahead, with ticket sales currently suspended. But some restrictions are already back in force in Melbourne. Only five visitors are allowed in homes, and masks are to be worn indoors for those aged 12 years and older. Victorian Chief Health Officer Brett Sutton says he is confident the state will be able to get on top of this latest outbreak.
1: Victoria's done it before. Victoria's done it better than anywhere in the world. Uh, So, you know, we have this. uh, Victorians know uh, exactly what to do and are probably more primed to do the right thing than uh, almost any jurisdiction in the world, I'm very confident.
0: Also making news this morning, another plane load of Australians has arrived from India with all 140 passengers testing negative for COVID. The third repatriation flight touched down in Sydney late yesterday and is the first flight to bypass the Howard Springs facility near Darwin since the biosecurity ban was lifted. And struggling Australians are being left with just $11 a day as housing costs reach unprecedented highs. New research from the Salvation Army has found 93% of those surveyed were experiencing housing stress, with many also suffering poor mental health. Major David Collinson says the peak of the pandemic continues to take a massive toll.
2: We're seeing um, new people come to our centres, people we've never seen before, and that's people that are sometimes even receiving an income but just can't make the money go around to support everything they need at the moment.
0: The Salvo's Red Shield Appeal kicks off this weekend. Let's check what's happening in your state with our reporters on the ground. And we start in Queensland this morning and it's been described as one of the state's biggest ever power outages with a widespread blackout impacting close to half a million properties. Power was not only cut to many homes and businesses, but also to shopping centres, hundreds of traffic lights and some hospitals were left relying on backup generators. It was triggered by a turbine fire at a power station in central Queensland. Our Brisbane reporter David Shiraz has the latest details.
1: Good morning, Tash. Well, Queenslanders are being warned of rolling blackouts in the wake of the worst electricity outage since 1985. Multiple investigations are now underway, with questions being asked about the reliability of supply after explosions and a blaze shut down the state's second biggest power plant. Energex left handling darkness from Townsville to Gadda and parts of northern New South Wales. In total, 477,000 energy customers were affected with the power restored within two hours.
0: And to WA, and hundreds of doctors and nurses have protested outside a major Perth hospital calling for action in the wake of a little girl's death. As our reporter Adam Hemmings explains from Perth, some change is on the way.
1: Tash, the health workers have vented their frustrations at a rally outside Perth Children's Hospital. They've shown their anger over a system in crisis after the damning reporting to the death of seven-year-old Ashwarya Ashworth in the emergency department last month. The health minister addressed that rally. He confirmed the hospital will get an extra 16 nurses and an additional 20 beds. An independent inquiry is also pushing ahead with Ashwaria's family agreeing to the terms of reference. It'll examine specific factors about her care and treatment that contributed to her death and any matters raised by her parents.
0: Now for the latest in business and finance news this morning, we're joined by Effie Zahos, editor at large at CanStar. Effie, good morning. Now you have some interesting new information on salary
2: guides and the workers most likely to get a pay rise. I sure do, Tash, and uh, it's all from recruitment agency Hayes. They've been doing it for around 30 years. It released its annual salary guide, and while 67% of employees said they intend to increase salaries in the next review, just 12% of them will award increases of 3% and above. Now, over half actually intend to raise salaries just at the lower end, you know, below 3%. Now, the industries planning on giving a wage increase. If you're in one of these, this is your little perk, uh, include defence. Now, they're going to be up to 3%. Healthcare, up to 3%. Human resources, if you're an executive, and if you're in the manufacturing and operations industry. But not all Aussies are going to receive equal salary either. The legal sector tops the list of the most generous industries, followed by those in architecture and technology. But if you are looking for a pay rise, I guess the, the biggest tip I found in this report is to do your research. Now, if your skills are in high demand and low supply, like, say, a, a civil and residential construction estimator, or your industry has experienced high growth or increased profitability, say, like a supermarket store manager versus a, a flight attendant, you're in a good place to negotiate. And, Tash, it also helps if you live in Tassie, because according to the report, 78% of employers in Tasmania intend to give their employees a wage hike. Heading to Tasmania, Reffie, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> a
0: lot cheaper, I think. Indeed. And also making news in the finance and business world today, you have some more interesting information this time on exactly how long it takes to save for the median house price and what income you need to have to buy a home.
2: Yeah, Tasha, and it's not looking good. This will shock you. Of course, affordability still remains a key issue. An analysis from CanStar shows someone earning the average annual income of 89000 and saving 20% of their after-tax income would take 15.5 years to Gosh. save a 20% deposit for a home in Sydney. 15.5 years. Now, if you're looking at Melbourne prices, it would take just over 12 years of course, if you've got a dual income coming in, you'd be able to, to save a deposit in half of that time. But even with a healthy deposit task, you'll still need a massive mortgage. So, looking at Australia's most expensive city again, Sydney, the median price tag is about $950,000 to pick up a home. Now, if you require a 20% deposit, you'll need about $190,000. So, you'll need an income of the very least of 137000 to service that. And the reason why you need such a high income is to pay that monthly repayment without being in mortgage stress. And this is the best case scenario. It assumes you've got no other expenses. Now, the bad news is currently the average annual income of Sydney-siders falls short of that amount by about $45,000. And also interest rates are at record lows. Yeah, they're they're the other side of the coin. What would your situation be if interest rates and when they do hike up? Let's move to Tassie. Effie, thank you.
0: (laughs) Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, as we mentioned earlier this morning, the MCG is one of the COVID exposure sites in Melbourne at the moment. So how is this unfolding COVID crisis set to affect the AFL this weekend?
1: Yes, good morning, Tash. Well, we know that one of the infected cases from the Whittlesea Cluster, that's in Melbourne's north, attended the MCG on Sunday. They watched the uh, the Collingwood Port Adelaide clash. So people sitting in those bays of the Great Southern Stand will be contacted directly. They'll have to isolate until they test negative. Now, yesterday, ticket sales for Round 11 have been suspended. The Western Bulldogs and Demons are due to play on Friday night. Uh, no tickets have been sold for that. That is a top-of-the-table um, blockbuster. So the AFL obviously breaks... Racing for fixture chaos and for crowd limits. Let's hear from the AFL chief, Gil McLaughlin.
2: Confident the game will be going ahead. I'm confident from what I understand there will be people there. But if there's restrictions or not, we'll know in the next couple of hours.
1: So that was Gil uh, speaking yesterday. Obviously, as you said, this is a developing situation. Now, the ladder-leading Bulldogs have forced their players into isolation. A club staff member attended an exposure site last week. Young forward Cody Waitman telling Fox Footy he's returned a negative test result.
2: We obviously had main session plans. got told that our main event, COVID test, and then nothing else, so a little bit different. Got it back about half an hour to an hour ago, and all clear for me, which is, which is great news.
1: Now, Essendon players will need to return negative tests as well before for their granted approval to face West Coast in Perth this weekend. Uh, There have been no cutbacks to the crowd at Optus Stadium as things stand, but of course that could change because we know that uh, the WA Premier Mark McGowan is pretty tough when it comes to these things. So I'd expect that this... uh situation will change over the next 24 hours.
0: Yeah, 24 hours, a lot can change, Brett. And also, massive night last night at both the AFL and NRL
1: tribunals. We'll start with the AFL. It was a five hour marathon last night. Carlton's Lucky Ploughman could not overturn a too much bump ban. Richmond will be without Marlon Pickett for a week. Unsuccessful in overturning a striking suspension. Better luck though for Gold Coast's Nick Holman. His tackle deemed not dangerous getting off a two week ban. Now at the NRL, Victor Radley is vowing to stick with his tackle technique despite copping a five week ban. His origin hopes basically over. Uh, the Roosters lock failing to have a charge down graded uh, last night. He admits the suspension will sting. I don't think my tackling style need, needs adjusting. I've been taught from a very young age from very very good coaches. Adrian Lamb, Craig Fitzgibbon. Great tackling
2: style and just because they decide to, to change the rules midway through the season doesn't mean I have to change my tackling style. There's obviously situations in the game like on the weekend where I got it wrong and I can't do that.
1: And his teammate Angus Crichton also unsuccessful in overturning a two-week ban for a high shot. So the Roosters and New South Wales, Tash, to be without two of their back row stars.
0: Another big day in sport. Brett, thank you. Thanks, Thanks, Tash. And a rare sight will light up the sky tonight with a super blood moon, the first one visible here in Australia in 20 years. The combination of a lunar eclipse and a super moon only comes around about once in a decade and the next one won't happen until 2033. Andrew Jacob from Sydney Observatory says it will be easy to watch. Anyone can see this without a telescope. You don't have to have a
1: telescope and it's quite safe to watch. Look to the eastern sky. The best part, when the moon turns red, occurs between about 9 and 9.30pm.
0: But you'll have to be quick with the rare event only set to last 14 minutes. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also find the latest episode and a whole new world of audio by downloading the new Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.